to Sustainable AF, otherwise known as everything you ever wanted to know about sustainability, but were too afraid to ask. This series discusses the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, and each episode will explore a particular goal, what it is, why it matters, and how we can address it. Every week, we're going to be looking more closely at the systems that underpin the way we live and try to work out where we can identify actions to take to change the world for the better. Today, we're talking about SDG 5, or that is gender equality. It specifically targets existing inequalities that occur because of perception around gender. This goal is incredibly important for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the idea of gender equality can be closely linked to issues of racial equality. If you're treating someone differently, especially negatively, because of how they were born, surely that's wrong. In many ways, to me, this is one of the best examples of what we mean by problems within the system. The gender inequality is a symptom of the disease, a system that doesn't work properly for everyone. The sustainable development goals are a way of addressing this system that's gone wrong. Whether it's the exploitation of nature, the exploitation of resources, and with gender inequality, the exploitation of people, something is out of whack. And we seem to be suffering from the law of unintended consequences. And this is actually something that brings us to one of the core debates at the heart of any discussion on how to make the world a better place. What's the model that we should use? Exactly. One thing that has come up for me a lot in putting this podcast together is the number of my friends who have said to me, God, you sound lefty. I think Fee's quite comfortable with that, but I've always seen capitalism and the free market as the best way to solve problems. So it's been a bit strange to find myself thinking a little bit differently and that capitalism needs a different approach. And I really do believe that. I still think that capitalism is the best tool to solve a lot of problems, but it definitely needs a rejig. We've had more than one argument about this, or sorry, should I say discussion? Um, Alex argues that we've seen over sort of 23 examples of socialism. It's proved that it's fundamentally flawed and fails every time that it's tried. I'd argue that it's never really been properly tried. But that's not actually the point. The point about this discussion is it's about the labels we give things. Those labels that give us the ability to stop thinking about the questions that underlie it. So the point is to try and find a system that we can live with and make it better. And I've been arguing for years, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're talking socialism or capitalism, but I've been arguing that if you change the flow of capital, you can change the world because somebody has to pay for the changes that needs to be made. And even if governments are paying, the money has to come from somewhere. For me, it's more looking at conscious capitalism. It's a new approach to a system that applauds and rewards the innovators, the market leaders and the entrepreneurs, but it avoids damaging the environment and the people. This can be achieved and we are seeing examples of it more and more coming to fruition. Sustainable brands, which are just as good, if not better than current brands. Fast fashion versus sustainable fashion is an example that's moving ahead of the rest of the pack on this. Now, one place we do agree is that if we can realign capital with sustainability, then we might be able to shift the momentum of the economy. That's why other SDGs like responsible consumption, living in cities and communities, industry, innovation, decent jobs, it's why they all matter so much. There's been a lot of discussion over the last year of the green economy, and it has huge potential, entirely new industries, cleaner and more sustainable, with new jobs that don't damage everything around them. 
that can only be a good thing. Totally. It's about acting with responsibility and integrity, about having a wider purpose than just profit. Most people don't think of themselves as on the wrong side of history, but most of us don't think about it that much. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, it's hard to discuss alleviating poverty, hunger and a healthcare crisis on a global scale without some type of reforms in tax and government support and guidance and therefore asking some responsibility to be taken away from the free market. And of course, this is another bone of contention because I don't think the free market is free. It's presented as such, but Adam Smith's invisible hand isn't allocating commodities efficiently. There are inequalities in access to information, access to capital, access to everything. And that means that no matter what you think, the market isn't yet free. In fact, if you want a truly free market the way it was conceptualized, you'd want to support the leveling of the playing field as a way to ensure the integrity of the concept. But very few people want to give away an advantage. And that's what we're talking about, structural inequality. At present, the free market doesn't consider issues like poverty or gender equality as important enough problems to solve. Otherwise, the free market would have solved them already. Alas, to achieve a truly sustainable future, we have to try and find new ways to address these problems. One of the key ways is to incorporate externalities into the cost of doing business, whether that's a carbon tax to include the impact of emissions on a wider environment or something else. And that's something that makes sense. Using the mechanisms that we already have to change the system for the better. We don't need to exploit nature, water and people. Rather, we can price externalities into the system aligning nature and capital. The idea is to realign capitalism so that its best bits, innovation, the chance to build, the opportunity to create, they're celebrated, but that its worst elements, the exploitation of everything around it, become irrelevant. That brings us back to the conversation about shifting to ESG and the concerns about environmental, social and governance issues. So I think we need to talk about how we can look at social issues like gender inequality through a lens of the cost of failing to address it and the benefits that can come from the changing the ways in which it is embedded into many societies. And that's really important. When we talk about fixing gender inequality, we're actually talking about addressing problems that can arise because of the way you think, because of your religious background, because of your legal frameworks. They're all, so many of these are built on the idea that one type of person is more important than another, that they have more rights than another. Changing that belief, that mindset, is going to need changes in institutions, in practices, in technologies and policies, in lifestyles and in our thinking. Whilst researching this topic for the podcast, I think there are two really big elements to gender inequality that aren't really clear. And I think we need to mention, Faye. The first of these is that actually you find out when you talk to people about gender that often people wonder what you're talking about. You know, are they are you talking to me about feminism? Are you talking about lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender issues? People are not always sure what gender really means. So the equality part can be even harder to explain. Yeah, totally. The second is that gender inequality doesn't just affect women, but men too. Men as a group have a privilege over women in most systems, but not all men are the same. Toxic masculinity is a real thing, and it seems unfair 
that while it may not be universal, a father's role as a parent is sometimes valued less by society. Young men suffering from mental illness, unable to ask for help for fear it would make them less of a man. In fact, in the UK, suicide is the biggest killer of men between 20 and 49, eclipsing road accidents, cancer and coronary heart disease. A distorted sense of what makes a man a man or what constitutes success can have such a negative impact on men. And I actually think when you think about the impact gender inequality can have on men, it tells you something really important actually about women as well. And this is the idea that we're talking in generalities. We're talking in systemic terms. Women aren't just one group. We differ. We're complex. Some are nice, some are nasty, some want to save the world, some want to promote QAnon. The point is to allow women the complexity of both good and bad of being actual people, weak and strong, interesting or dull, to accept and give women the same agency and autonomy that's given to men. It's not saying that men have easy lives. It's just about saying we should be treated the same way in terms of access and opportunity. We're all limited by the bounds of society. But why are one group given even more limits before we start? And that's true of gender, race, sexuality, everything. Now, we're not going to talk in much detail about the history of inequality and the whys and the wherefores, as we feel that it's been discussed a lot at the moment in different places. We all know it exists. We all know it occurs. And some of us are faced with recognising those challenges a lot more than others. But I think there are some facts that I know were shocking to me. Firstly, one-fifth of women and girls between the age of 15 and 49 have reported experience violence from a domestic partner within the 12 months. Crazy. Next, one in 20 girls between the age of 15 and 19, that's around 13 million women, have experienced forced sex. Disgusting. 33,000 girls become child brides every day. Also terrible. And that's not even counting the countries where husbands can legally prevent their wives from working. The fact that only six countries around the world give women the same working rights as men, where daughters don't have the same inheritance rights as their brothers, and the 49 countries where there are no laws protecting women from domestic violence at all. Because of gender inequality, women have less access than men to everything, basically. They also take on the majority of family care, both immediate and extended family. There is something fundamentally important in an idea Not that all people are the same, but that all people should be afforded the same rights and opportunities. And this is so important in the developing world. I know we talk about it a lot, but in the developing world where the education of women, the provision of access to work and communication has had direct and proven positive impacts on healthcare outcomes, on familial poverty and on overall economic success. Those who lack education, lack access to skills and knowledge, access to communication or credit, ownership or other rights and what we're talking about is the fact that wherever you are in the world it's different faces of the same problem it's a universal problem that plays out in different ways we need to identify the problem so that we can work out how we turn this around how we identify simple steps that can make individuals lives better improve productivity empower people and societies and move us forward on a more equitable basis Now, one of the most obvious areas where there are disparities between men and women is at work. And this is not just a developing world issue. 
My friends and I have a lot of conversations about glass ceilings, lack of childcare, lack of support for women in the workplace. But there's different problems in different countries. One thing that doesn't get talked about a lot, though, is how people normally hire in their own image. And this is something Fee talks about a lot to me. It doesn't matter whether it's more creative or technical, more male than female. People often hire instinctively on who they're comfortable with, who they recognise, often who they know and who they think they can talk to. That's why you've had an upsurge in technological approaches to recruitment. We won't talk about coding biases here, but we probably should at some point. We'll definitely get to talk about that, I think, when we talk more about AI in the future. But I think what's important here is if you're talking about those biases, what does that mean in terms of understanding your customer base? With over 50% of the world's population being female, don't you think you need more than a man's perspective on what products will work for who? What you're missing out on is different perspectives, different experiences, and most importantly, different approaches to solving problems. When girls and women get equal education and job opportunities with men, all of society benefits. Studies report again and again that a diverse workplace is a more productive workplace, and diversity includes gender as well as race. There's research that shows specifically that businesses that put more women in top leadership roles do better than businesses with only men in leadership. And it's important to remember this isn't just a company level issue. That success translates into the economy as a whole. Closing up gender paybacks can actually save a country money. Equal education and jobs or access to those things significantly reduce poverty rates. That can, that can actually raise an entire nation and improve its GDP. There's proof that women's economic empowerment boosts productivity increases economic diversification and income equality in addition to other positive development outcomes. The beauty of capitalism that some people don't seem to grasp is that markets and industries have almost infinite space to grow. So just because she gets a job and you don't doesn't mean that she's taken a piece of the pie that isn't available for you. The pie is not a fixed size. The pie isn't getting smaller. Through innovation and entrepreneurship, the pie only gets bigger. Through systems thinking, you can cross pies and you can get even more of the action. Now, there's a couple of things we probably should flag up here, one of which is the discussion about growth. But that's part of our ongoing debate about the best way forward. But there's another thing that I think we do have to flag up. And this is this idea that um, so development campaigns often equate female empowerment to economic development. That's one of the things we've been discussing ourselves. The downside of that is that you then start to think of women just as economic objects with earning potential rather than inherently worthwhile. But the reality is that earning money does change lives. In Rwanda, after the genocide, so many women were left as heads of households with no access to income. Um, it, there were interventions like there was a story about the Royal Jersey Agricultural and Horticultural Society, which I find really hard to say. They actually got given a whole load of Jersey cow semen, weird as that sounds. And they actually then got together with the Send a Cow charity and basically sent cow semen out to Rwanda to breed new cows that had better milk and were stronger and more robust. And they transformed people's lives, not just the women who were helped, but all the family around them. Sustainable AF bringing you the best <laughs> stories about cow semen. So coming back to being more serious, what really matters is the ability to take part in what's going on, 
Women's economic empowerment includes women's ability to participate equally in existing markets, their access and control over productive resources, access to decent work. the cows. <laughs> <laughs> control over their own time, lives and bodies and increased voice agency and meaningful participation in economic decision making at all levels from a household to an in, to international institutions. So almost a third of women's employment around the world is in agriculture, including forestry and fishing. But if you think about it, this can exclude self-employed and unpaid family workers. The differences, though, across different regions are striking. Studies show that women account for nearly half of the women's smallholder farmers and produce 70% of Africa's food. Yet less than 20% of land in the world is owned by women and over 65% of land in Kenya is governed by customary laws that discriminate against women ever owning that land and completely limiting land rights and property rights for the future. It's crazy. Land is perhaps one of the most important economic assets. Women account for 12.8% of agricultural landholders in the world. That's a complete imbalance there. Women's limited ownership of agricultural assets and constrained access to markets for inputs and for the sale of outputs inhibits their ability to benefit from agricultural growth. And I think the other thing that comes alongside this is that women and girls are actually the most likely to suffer from the lack of safely managed water and sanitation, which is often an issue in a lot of these smallholder farms. It's true that women and girls are more likely to carry the burden of energy poverty. They experience the, the, the negative effects of a lack of safe, reliable, affordable and clean energy, dark places, long walks for water. You know, women often bear the brunt of coping with climate related shocks as well. You know, the stresses or the health effects of indoor and urban pollution, the, the idea of having to cope with floods and look after the families and keep everyone together. All of this adds to their care burden. Doesn't sound very fair to me. Next, let's uh, engage and look at politics. One thing to point out is that women's participation in democracy is vital if democracy is to be effective. First, because the more closely government represents the composition of a society as a whole, the more stable its policies are likely to be. This means that it's not just important to include women, but also ensure broad representation. Secondly, a mixed gender cabinet or parliament should, all other things be equal, tend to address more of the concerns that apply exclusively or disproportionately to women, and they affect the whole of society. For example, women's reproductive rights are about more than just women's agency. Reproductive rights have a direct impact on whether a woman can access work and financial independence. Women serve as head of states or governments in only 21 countries and 119 countries have never, ever had a woman leader. And I think one of the challenges we're always facing is that, you know, uh, dealing with gender inequality is an incredibly complex topic. But there are also challenges around intersectionality and how different labels, labels around gender and around race, and around class, these different labels and our perceptions of them can intersect. And that ends up that different groups or individuals can face particularly complicated sorts of discrimination and disadvantages. They can be facing three or four different things at once. 
So actually, even if we're talking about the importance of women's participation in democracy, the kind of women who are given representation have got to be considered. Are they one colour, one class? Often, if there's a quota for parliamentarians, it'll often only bring those women already associated with those in power into national governments. That can result in certain kinds of women getting more power and then maintaining the status quo in terms of the stratification of society by other labels. So what we're trying to say there in this more simplified form is representation matters. If you don't see yourself reflected, not only might you think you don't matter, but it will be harder to imagine what you might be able to achieve. At the moment, female representation in national parliament on average is at just 23.7%. More than I expected, to be fair, but it's still nowhere near 50. Yeah, and the lack of women involved in politics and involved in decision making at every level can result in policies and approaches that don't actually address actual women's problems. Certainly in smaller communities, women know what the community needs. By bringing women into decision making, policymakers in industry can better understand the market they serve. And, you know, in a very capitalistic way, improve economic efficiency and benefit both women and the sector that they're affecting. So what we've summated there is whether you're looking at economics or politics by having a level playing field for men and women ends up with a better society, basically. And that's so true as well when you look at peace and justice. Violence disrupts society at every level. Gender inequality is a source of a lot of violence including from human trafficking and a lack of legal protection for abused women. Improving equality for girls and women can reduce the amount of violence and provide security for those who are vulnerable. Research also shows that gender equality is a much better indicator of a country's likelihood to deploy military forces than its GDP. As gender equality improves, a country's peace improves. In turn, This is important for gender equality because war disproportionately affects women. And I think I think there's an important point to add, which we hadn't really sort of focused on, which is that. There is gender inequality in armies and obviously men take the brunt of war in terms of the fact that they're going to die. Um, But I think what we're talking about here is just understanding that a wider acceptance of a range of different people, a lack of otherization makes it harder to see an enemy just as an enemy, not as a person who's also in a difficult situation. It's about empathy on a society-wide level. And I think, you know, education is a really important part of this because how can people know things they've never been told about? You know, it's incredibly important to think about the idea of teaching children that everyone should have the right to reach their full potential. It doesn't mean the potential is the same. We're not saying that everyone's the same. We're just saying that everyone should have the opportunity to be the best they can. Gender inequality is a limit to this potential because it limits what girls are or aren't allowed to do. And it doesn't matter whether it's for religious reasons or legal reasons or cultural reasons or just because society thinks it's not feminine. Absolutely. Some women would make epic soldiers. Um, and this is where it really matters. If you've never been taught to question the way you think, 
teaching you and around you every day, then it's hard to take a step back and see what the issues are and, and how, what, how or why they need to be changed. For me, gender inequality is nonsense because I can't believe it's still a thing in 2020. It makes no sense that men and women aren't equal. But I recognise that that's because it's coming from my experience and my lack of knowledge about it. So it's been really interesting to learn about it and learn from Fee. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think it's really important to actually explore how people unconsciously reinforce gender roles. You know, and I think it's it's think about how you interact. You know, how do you have different ways of interacting with boys and girls? How do you behave? What's your behavior and what's that behavior normalizing? Why do we say girls are beautiful and boys are strong? What are the messages given to children in media, through family and at school? What are the messages given to children about gender? Are they told it's up to us to treat everyone equally? That everyone has the right to an education or that everyone can do housework and quite frankly, should or the girls or boys are better at different things human beings exist and operate on a really broad spectrum we're not defined by our birth and we can define ourselves in new ways if we believe we can achieve change absolutely and when looking at education education isn't just for children though education upskilling reskilling should be throughout a person's whole life course. You shouldn't stop learning when you leave school. Lifelong learning is such an important part to developing as a person, especially now to keep pace with rapid technological and digital transformations affecting jobs. It's critical for women and girls' health and well-being as well as well as their income generation opportunities and participation in the formal labour market. Increased educational attainment accounts for about 50% of economic growth in OEDC countries over the past 50 years. But for the majority of women, significant gains in education have not translated into better labour market outcomes. And for a lot of that, again, it's because of lack of control over reproductive choice, lack of access to the markets, lack of social acceptability of engaging in that market, for being stuck in dead-end jobs. You just have to look at COVID and see how how out of proportion the impact of women has been on the jobs that have been lost. The reality is that despite decades of progress, women and girls still deal with violence and discrimination every day. And a hugely important part of changing the world is changing the way discrimination plays out women, race, all of it. There are lots of problems, and we're not denying that, with many of the solutions that we can come up with. You know, that accusations of cultural and religious insensitivity, the reduction of people to economic elements. But all of these things are stopping us addressing the root causes of discrimination. What's important in addressing all of these different issues other challenges highlighted by the SDGs is the need to acknowledge our shared humanity and the idea that together we can create a better, fairer future. And it's within our grasp, without a doubt. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to end on. It is within our grasp if we choose to grasp it. So there's a lot to think about here. And I hope you've enjoyed our rapid run through the complexities of addressing global inequality. But as ever, the most we can hope to do is to have started the conversation. So we hope you'll join us next week when we continue on our journey to becoming sustainable AF.